Sticks drummer Todd Zuckerman is, objectively speaking, one of the best drummers in rock and roll. Now, here's the thing. I've known him for a very long time. We went to high school together, and we haven't hung out, hung out for decades. So for this Carcone Carne, we had the chance to reconnect, and we met up at Poochie's in Skokie, really one of my all-time favorite hot dog places. And uh, we talked about sticks, we talked about high school, and it is just an awesome episode. It's Carcon Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Carcon Carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Thirty years ago, we were in high school together. We Thir- were thirty-three. No, it wasn't thirty-three. Thirty-three. 1983, September 1983. Okay, right. okay, well, we yes, you're right. We started in high school together in 83. But <laughs> we, were, we were now as West Indians. Here we are, all this time later, you're the drummer for Sticks, and I'm doing a talk show in my car. Well, James, if you told me 33 years ago that we'd be doing a podcast in your car, first I'd say, what the hell's a podcast? Sure. Uh, and secondly, I would have ordered exactly what I ordered right here. So, all right, we're at Poochie's in Skokie, which is this long-running hot dog joint. I'm a big fan. Now, you, I don't know how often you eat hot dogs on the road. My guess is, if you leave Chicago, what's the point? Well, I, I used to eat hot dogs a lot more. I can make them very well with, uh, you know, uh, home choices of either Nathan's or um, uh, getting the Vienna beef, of course, is, is, is the best. Um, Hebrew nationals are pretty good. But most people don't understand that. Like, if you have a really good hot dog, it's not just it's not just garbage meat. It's actually, it's it's good meat. And, you know, mm-hmm. kosher dogs, they're not they're not putting the, the, the scraps in there. Um so, yeah, I eat less hot dogs now because as I'm marching towards 50 um, and have a young daughter, I want to be alive as long as I can. So I've made a lot of uh, positive, progressive health choices, in, in starting with diet. Well done. I'm proud of you. I could learn from you. Well, Teach me. Uh, you know, it's but here when in Rome, like I can't wait to get out of Chicago. I was in Chicago two days ago, right? So I've probably eaten nine pieces of sausage of a Lou Malnati's pizza, and now I'm washing it down with dogs. I got to get the hell out of Dodge to to survive. It's, it's back to the salads after this. Now here's your Chicago credibility. I mean, you grew up like a block away from the original Lou's. I grew up on the street with the very first Lou Malnati's established 1971, myself established 1969. <laughs> so, you know, that was the smell of, you know, playing ball in the front yard or being in the backyard. If the wind was blowing that direction, the smell of the, the stewed sweet uh, tomatoes and, and garlic, uh, that butter crust, that, that the bready type of smell, that was the smell of my childhood. You know, it's funny, talking about being in high school together, I don't really remember you as a student. Like, I couldn't tell you how you did in school. I, I don't know what your grades were. But I remember you as the artist, as the musician. I mean, that's my lasting memory of Todd the Teenager was, yeah, he was he was born to play drums. That was his thing. Well, um, I mean, look, being, being a, a musician and, and playing professionally at an early age certainly goes a long way to sort of give you an identity. And I think, you know, I, I was never really picked on or bullied because like that, uh, I was a kid that played drums. No one wanted to, you know, bust my hands or anything right. like that. Um, but no, but but you and I hit it off well. I remember it, my earliest memory of you is in gym class, and we were sarcastic and laughed at a lot of the same stuff. That so, sounds right. Yeah. Um, that that that's 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 how I became aware of you. That's amazing. And here we are at Poochie's. I remember when we were kids, Poochie's was at a different location, like maybe a block west on Dempster Street in Skokie, 
And right behind that Poochies is where everyone got their fake IDs. Oh boy, that's that was a Skokie thing. I uh, I, I miss, being from Lincolnwood. Lincoln I, yeah. I I missed out on that. Um, yeah, that's 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 not in, in my uh, Rolodex memory at all. And you wouldn't have had a fake ID anyway as a kid because you were always so righteous. Yeah, you could just pretty much walk into uh, what was the Austin Liquors and get oh whatever get whatever you wanted anyway. Which, by the way, hilariously enough, um, uh, uh, the the guy who tour managed Ario Speedwagon, uh, his family's business, he was a Skokie guy. Owned, get out. Owned Austin Liquors. Get out. Yeah. How many underage gigs did you play? Like you played a lot of bars, right? Well, if if you if you remember correctly, by '87, that that band Adventures in Dining that you know Dave Allen and I mm-hmm. were, were in, we would play the the Hidden Cove Lounge. Yeah, right, right. And they just let uh, we packed a place, and there were literally people that we didn't even know wearing their 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 red high school Niles West jackets. Like I'm seeing them ordering drinks and they're, they're like grabbing like three pitchers from behind the bar. And they're like <laughs> this total alcoholic dive bar, which I think might even still be oh, there. No, it's still there. Oh and my God. We're going there next. <laughs> but we can't get in because all the goddamn kids in there, there's right. no, nowhere to sit. Um, yeah. That they just did. They just didn't care. Like you're 16, like yeah, shots. Everyone's doing shots. That's amazing. Past high school. You became the drummer for Sticks 20 years ago. I mean, it's been two decades. Yeah, it's going to be 21 next year. I mean, I'm sure at first it was weird. You were stepping in for someone who passed away. But now, I mean, you've been the guy for two decades running. And this is this is you. This is your life. Uh, yes. I mean, it's this has been my my job. You know, you know, anything that you do the first time, there's that sense of wow. And it only happens the first time. And then you're just fortunate. You know, you just keep doing your job, you know, and it becomes normal. Whether you're going into sitting in an office, you're you're in a hotel room, and you know you, you play in front of people, but it's still exciting. Uh, the shows are still exciting, and I still have moments where, you know, I look over and I'm like, "Hey, Tommy Shaw's my singer. This is pretty damn cool. <laughs> He's great," you know. Um, and the amazing thing about the band is that there's never a bad show. They they give it their all, whether we're playing at a field in a field in Nebraska or we're playing at Staples Center. And in these LA. are arena a, shows. Sticks does arena shows. We no do matter all what the venue. shows. We do all shows. We, no, I'm we, saying you play for an arena, no matter what the venue. Correct. Yes. So you get an arena show in in a house of blues or a hard rock, or in a field in Nebraska right. or uh, wherever. And those guys, they 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 never phone it in. There's never. They leave it on the stage every show and that's inspiring to me because you know look let's face it you know you're playing five shows a week and sometimes like oh my back hurts or i'm not you know i got the sniffles or i'm missing home or whatever you just you're you're in a little bit of a doldrums and you or you need a break you get out on stage you see all the excited people and they're you know you know it's a palpable energy you get in front of thousands of people and my guys just they throw down every night you know, I've never met anyone else in the band. You are my connection to Sticks. I get the sense, just from watching him on stage, seeing him in interviews, JY seems like a hoot. He, he really is. He he is very often sort of not the uh, the stage persona that you you you'd see or you'd imagine. Um, he's a super high intellect that could speak knowledgeably about so many topics un- under the sun uh he he's he's 
very funny, but he he's a he's an old soul and he's a softy, he's a sensitive guy, and he's just he's super smart. I believe that. We should eat as we talk. Okay, by all means. All right, so we're here at Poochie's. You had a hot dog philosophy uh, back when you were healthy or more unhealthy. <laughs> yes. So you have like a, a hierarchy of sausage eating. Well, in, in the old days, I would eat three. And I, I would think that if, if you have room for fries, you got room for another dog. So um, <laughs> in, in the old days, I would have ordered one regular steamed dog Chicago style with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have ordered one char cheddar dog with just probably mustard, onions, and celery salt, and then a Polish. You did say one with everything. Really, one of the one of the great modern era stick songs. Thank you very much. I love that song. That song is so good. Which, okay, that, that brings up the question. 2003 was maybe the last studio album mm-hmm. without covers. I, I've heard and read that you guys are working on stuff. Is that true? We're always working on stuff. And we will write and record. So it's it's a matter of, of taking the time to pick things and, and put them together and actually do it. But we're, we're always working, I, I can say that. So I think... Well, the industry is so different now. Well, look, it, it's basically, it's it's sort of an exercise in, in burning money. Um, but at, at a certain point, the artist in you needs to create something new, even if it's a monetary folly. Um, you know, and you know, anything that's digitized is immediately digitized and shared for free amongst people, or like mm-hmm. it's on YouTube, and you know what I mean. Like if you want to hear a song, you used to have to buy it or wait until it was played on the radio. Now you right. can just go to YouTube, and that Jones is is, is taken care of. Like, oh yeah, cool, I remember that song, and then boom, no one paid for it. Um, and you know, come on, don't don't tell me that the clicks, you know, uh, are, are doing anything on that. Um, but you're all you're all a bunch of creative people. I, I can't imagine that urge, that inclination to create, can be pushed down for much longer. No, I think I, I think some things are going to happen. It, it's it's certainly uh, more difficult when we basically all live in different cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people think, oh, well, you could you could sort of you know you could record it for cheap. Well, you know what? Sometimes things sound cheap, and sometimes you need to go into a big recording studio with a million dollars worth of stuff to, to, you know what I mean? You're not going to get Dark Side of the Moon recorded on, on someone's laptop. Agreed. And and when, when people say that, I'm like, you know, it, it, it's foolish. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's not only that, there's, there's flights, there's hotels, there's transportation. I mean, just the simple how much it costs to, you got, you know, a couple of engineers and you got the band members... Where are we going to order lunch from? Okay, there's that tab. <laughs> Where are we going to have for dinner? There's that tab. Like, do that day in, day out. Day out. People go, oh, you can record an album for cheap. No, you, not a good one. And no, you can't. I'll, I'll, I'll argue that until I'm blue in the face. Oh, I completely agree with that. And Sticks is not a garage band. You can't just bash something out. No, we're not going to live like a bunch of 18-year-olds, you know, like sleeping on a floor. Like, that's, no. We're, it's beyond that at this point. You know what I've always liked about Sticks? Speaking about music and Chicago, there was always, I mean, Sticks music is always big, it's dramatic, but there was also that Chicagoness, that Midwesterness, and you know, I, mostly a lyrical thing. I think of you know, Too Much Time and Grand Illusion, um, Blue Collar Man. These are guys who came up in the city of Chicago. They, these are songs that, as big and as bombastic as some of the arrangements get, they're still speaking to me on a very person to person level. 
Well, I think that's something that, that resonated, um, obviously, beyond the, the, the city limits of, of, of Chicago in a, a national and an international broad-reaching sense. So maybe maybe there is a little bit of that, that Midwestern sensi- sensibility or outlook or positivity mm-hmm. that's something that, that resonated at the time that, you know, the Sticks was the first band to have uh, four consecutive triple platinum records in a row. And it's worth mentioning, in the 1970s, from 73 to 79, Sticks put out an album every year. I mean, think about that. Well... And I think there was a year between between albums before uh, Paradise. Most bands, you know, if if you weren't working, it was like, oh, are they breaking up? What what what's wrong? You know, like you might take a year off and like someone would do a solo record or something like that. But if you went more than more than a year or two years, you were shrouded in mystery. Is is, is the band over? Because that was you, you, and there was no way to plug in and get an update. No. Pre-internet, I mean, hit Parader, maybe. For... <laughs> You're gonna write a letter to the the PO Box fan club. Exactly. Yeah, write, write Genesis in 1978. Are you guys, what's going on? You know. By the way, they're doing it again. Um, I, I believe that remains to be seen. I kind of, I kind of don't believe it. I mean, I remember, you know, going back to high school gym class. I remember getting excited about the self-titled album tour coming to the Rosemont Horizon for an infinite amount of dates. November 11, 12, 13, 1983. Stop it. You really remember the dates? Absolutely. Is it because it left that much of an impression on you? Look it up. Well, that was the first time I'd ever seen the band. I'm also sort of an idiot savant with a lot of dates. By the way, this one dog down the hatch. Thank you, James. It was delicious, right? Um, delicious. That's that's literally that's the taste, <laughs> the taste I grew up with. Um, Nothing beats a real deal Chicago dog. It is, no. It's got the sweet, it's got the heat, it's got the crunch. Re- real quick, to, to just kind of go down talking about hot dogs. I don't understand why it's so damn difficult to get a Chicago dog with all the, everything correct outside of Chicago. I've, I've gone to so many Chicago hot dog places around the country and it's like... Ah, the bun is not right. Like the dog is right, or like that. That's they got this, and they got this. That's right. But the dog was 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 too big. That's it's, it's too. Or they big. get the relish wrong, or the relish is wrong, or th- there's something wrong. There's only been a handful. There, there's a place in Weymouth, Massachusetts, in suburban Boston, that got it all right. And I went to talk to the guy. I'm like, hey, man, like, where are you from? Evanston. I'm <laughs> like, course. there we go. Of course. That guy's not gonna friggin' mess this up. He swore an oath. When you open the place, <laughs> you know you, you have to, you know. But the, like, there was a place in um, it, it burned down. It might have had a case of Greek lightning. But there's a place called Shy Town Dogs, in uh, um, I've never heard that before, and I, I obviously know what that means. That's <laughs> <laughs> it burned down, and now it's a food truck, you know. Uh, and I haven't been there. Their dog was correct. Their Polish was uh, a travesty. It was, it was one of the Polishes where it was gray on the outside, and you bite into it, and it's kind of like blood pink on the inside. Uh-huh. And you're like, come on, what, what? Did, well, we got Polishes here. Uh, they do the char Polish at Poochie's. It's Polish time. Yeah, it is Polish time. And well, I gotta eat the pickle. I like eating the pickle first. Often. Yeah, because you can't do it all with one one mouthful. Your jaw just doesn't work like that. No. I mean, not since you did adult features back in the day. I, I thought we weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little sport pepper there. <laughs> There's a little I got unexpected heat. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah, it's the oil that gets you in those peppers. Uh, speaking of years and calendar dates, uh, next year is the 40th for Grand Illusion. 
Wow. Yeah. I know you've done you know, the full album performance of Grand Illusion before. Mm-hmm. It seems like a pretty watershed album for the band. Good excuse to do something. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny. We, we did the sort of the Grand Illusion tour. Was it the, geez, it was the 20th anniversary in, 90, in the 1997 tour mm-hmm. I did. So that's kind of what struck me when he said 40. <laughs> As I went back, I like, oh, yeah, it's math. Math mm-hmm. doesn't lie. It was 20 years. Um, gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm not sure what... Um, you should do a thing. I mean, I love doing the double album tour, which we really only did... I want to say it was like 21, 22, 23 dates. And we never went really west of the Mississippi. It was all sort of like New York, New England, uh, down to Florida, and sort of Chicago or maybe St. Louis. So that's something that I think that we could take out west. Oh, yeah. And, and sort of do that again and, and that was really fun to do because you, you, you got to hear the record in its entirety and there's sort of a gravitas or it, it, it felt sort of important or as close to like being in Pink Floyd or something as I'm, I'm ever going to feel in a way you know what I mean like you really get into the, the, the progness mm-hmm. of it all um, as opposed to just like hey here we are and we're going to crank out the hits and I blast blast and kablam kablam um, so I, I enjoyed the pacing of that um, so yeah, maybe maybe we could do something like that again. I'd I'd love that. I know you do a lot of clinics. You've got DVDs, books. You mm. you teach drumming. Mm. Oh, the Polish is right mm. on, isn't it? Oh yeah. Mm. Now that you are of a certain age, you mentioned you're approaching fifty, which is weird because I'm only thirty. Ha. Now that you're of a certain age, I mean, is mentorship and and teaching important to you? Like, kind of passing this knowledge on. To, to the young Todds, I think it's 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 not only critical and crucial. I, I I believe it's our duty is to pass on the information that we've learned. Um, and you know, you know, not to sound cliche, but you know, we we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. And I think that you know you can go a long way to help and nurture young people you know their lives their interest in something positive um and you, you you share that 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 palpable energy and excitement about something artistic and then it's up to them to 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 take it to new heights or do something new with it or to continue uh, a tradition so um yeah you know in in, in doing the drum clinics uh, you really it was well, nice for supplemental income of course but 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 really mm-hmm. the payment is when you know you're, you're kind of doing the autograph table you know meet and greet afterwards and you see some 16 year old kid that's got like this life force behind his eyes and he said you know when when you said this da, 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 it really resonated with me and you see that they can't wait to go home and practice or if it's too late like th- you know the next morning they're going to be playing the drums that's that's really the the, the payment is if you, if you can really change someone or, or fire someone up even if they don't end up doing it for their their livelihood, but they they do it because they love it, you know. Lots of people play golf, and they are, they're not doing it because they're gonna you know play for their green jacket or whatever it is. Um, is that the Masters or something? Maybe. No, I'm not a golf guy. <laughs> Me neither. There we go. I clearly. Um, oh, I gotta have another bite here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's I I really do feel it's our responsibility to to share what we can, and um, that's something I, I will continue to enjoy doing. So I guess, who mentored you? Was it your father growing up? Who was that inspiration? Who saw that life force in you that helped 
inspire you? Well, certainly it started with my father. It also started with really my whole nuclear family. My, you know, my mother was a actress and a singer and could, could play piano. Uh, my father was a drummer and could play piano and was a doctor. He put himself through med school playing drums in, um, you know, in World War II era. Really working both ends of his brain, both sides. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know how he, how he did that for so long. I mean, he was one of the house drummers at the Chez Paris, which was like the Cotton Club of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. He played with everybody. Um, and, you know, got offers to go on the road all the time, but he couldn't because he had to practice. I mean, he, he did do some road work, and he, he was Lena Horne's drummer for a little while and did a tour with her in the South where she couldn't stay at the same hotel that the guys in the band were, you know. Does he have um, a stash of pictures that you've ever broken into? Yeah, I, I have a wonderful picture of her and, and, and Lena Horne. I bet it's amazing. It's amazing. I'll, I'll I'll show it to you later. It's 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 like out of a it's like out of a 1940s movie. It's, That's it's so amazing. cool. <laughs> you've uh, throughout the years you've been able to perform with a lot of really fascinating and tremendous artists. I gotta say, Brian Wilson, neat. All these other people you've played with, cool. It's Spinal Tap that seems to resonate ah. the most with me. As that kid who remembers you as a kid, the fact that you played with Spinal Tap is tremendous. Well. You know, it is like it's the best rock movie. Ever, it is right. Um, obviously, all those guys, everyone involved in, a, in the movie, are just you know tremendous geniuses. Clearly, you know so, something that that particularly tickles me is the one year I spent at Berkeley College of Music. The, the weekend of orientation, like, you know, you kind of get there and, like, you're meeting the guys on your floor. You're like, hi, I'm Todd. And like, hi, I'm Eric. Hi, I'm Lou. Like, what do you guys play? I, I play bass. I play drums. I play drums. Uh, where are you guys from? Da, da, da. Th- that The orientation was in the Berkeley Performance Center. They played This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> so, you know, of course, we all got high and we went to, <laughs> we went to the Berkeley Performance Center. I was like, hey, do you smoke pot? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, hi, go down. And so... That was like the the icebreaker yeah. to all the, the incoming freshmen. It was like the spinal tap party. And like then to think, you know, years later that I would get to work with those guys, you know, a few times, um, that is, is, is something that's truly mind-blowing. For, for sure. Me. And it, I love Spinal Tap. I, I, that's one of the few movies I can watch more than once. I'll tell you the other one I love from that group, Mighty Wind, the other music mm-hmm. one. That is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Lots of laughs in that. And Catherine O'Hara is so fantastic in that, too. Well, something I can say about Harry, uh, Chris, and Michael is that they're all wonderful gentlemen. And it's really C.J. Vanson, their musical director, was, was, was my in. I mean, I, I owe that experience to, to him. Um, but the, all, all those guys, they, they can really play and they really care about it. You think that they'd be like, this would be like some sort of folly uh, for them, we're like, yeah, hey, we're gonna do a Jimmy Fallon show, and, but there's Christopher Guest who's like, you know, t- trying to get a sound out of the Marshall, and he's like, I, do we have another head? Like he didn't like the sound he was getting out of this head. It wasn't like, yeah, it'll be fine, you know, I'm just, we're just doing a, the song and I'm out of here. Um, they really cared, and they were, oh my God, it was just a firing squad of comedy around them, and um, they don't really break up laughing. Like, like I'm. I'm trying not to be the stupid, like, uh, 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 you know, guy behind. But these guys are just firing stuff off. And, like, this this is my imitation of, uh, sorry, you, you viewers can't see this, but this is my imitation of Christopher Guest laughing. 
It's kind of a, a, a silent an emotion with the head and kind of closing the eyes and a smile. So, you know, if I said something that made him laugh like that, I'm like, yeah, God, score. Yeah, you nailed it. Nailed yeah. it. So, Spinal Tap, every band has experienced a Spinal Tap moment. I'm sure Styx isn't immune. Oh, yeah. What was that, what was that moment that sticks in your head? Well, for me, um, I had one. We were playing at this, uh, I always hated this place, Canocti Harbor in Northern California. Um, it was just sort of this ramshackle kind of gross old resort but they had a concert venue and um it's i think we played their last show i think the stage actually broke 38 special played before us and the whole lighting rig came down and almost killed everybody it's not it's really not that funny it's kind of but two spinal tap things happened at this very same location uh, i believe that that was that the show was canceled because it was too dangerous for anyone to get on stage we never played that night and then uh, I, I think that was it for the entire that that ruined the entire place because all they had was a concert venue um but a couple years prior to that we used to do this thing where the last note of the last song renegade this giant sticks logo scrim would become unfurled and it would drop down behind the drums and it would say sticks so it'd be like uh-huh. you know like, sticks uh, well <laughs> there was a big wind gust something happened and it blew this thing <laughs> off the hinges and covered the drums <laughs> like like a like a parachute falling on the drum kit and i knew it had to look like terrible because the first person to unearth me from it was our Wait, so, so it landed over you oh yeah just <laughs> lights out light friggin like a, a black scrim the size of like six cars you know parked in a, in a lot has covered and in, 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 engulfed the entire drum set and i it takes me a second to even think what is, is this what dying's like you know like i had no idea what happened it was the fucking lights out right and uh and the, the first person to unearth me was our tour manager george packer not even like one of the crew guys not even mm-hmm. my tech not a band member it was you know it was george packer our tour manager who was, had run on stage to make sure that i hadn't been killed by this thing um so yeah that, that was a pretty big spinal tap moment i'd say thinking back to the 90s when you're gigging around town Falling Melinda's was your band I remember you told me a story about how Falling Melinda's maybe lived beyond their means uh, maybe <laughs> thought thought perhaps they I guess your reach extended your grasp yeah um, well we were all you know sort of you get a Ponzi lads try trying to make it in in the you know what was what was an exciting time for rock music in in at, at that time um but we were all sort of doing pretty well um you know two of us doing a lot of recording sessions one had made a lot of money writing ad copy so is that scott uh no, no scott was doing sessions uh, alan keller okay. had, uh, had made a lot of money um writing ad copies and and so we were all sort of you know, I, I wouldn't say well to do, but 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 quite comfortable. Um, so we weren't exactly living the like, man, we got to live and die by this, you know, mm-hmm. thing. And the the one thing, one thing I learned that was really valuable, and I to any person out there that's in a band and you're you're really trying to do something. We went and did the second record up at Butch Vig's place at Smart Studios in Madison. That's the best thing you could do as a band is to go somewhere where none of you live and make a record. Because the first record, when you're when you're making a record, you could be like, oh, okay, so it's going to be guitars for the next seven hours, huh? 
All right, I'm gonna go. Liars Club's down the street. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta pick up my dry cleaning, uh-huh. and I'm gonna go come back in like seven hours. Um, when when you go to another city, like you're all there, and you you sit there, and every opinion counts. And you're you're made. You're forced to participate, and nothing will strengthen you as a band uh, quite like going in there like like soldiers to do a, a job when you're at home it's too easy to be distracted with other things or your girlfriend yeah. or whatever uh go away to another city and make a record anyway that's that's what we did um for, for the second record and it, it's funny alan just texted me like three weeks ago and he said holy shit i just listened to belittle wow we were great you know and and, and and we were. I, I, it, it's that was the the only time in my life I ever felt like we're going to be famous. This is so great. This is undeniably great. But we were the hapless, luckless band. Um, <laughs> and you know, c- case in point, the, the particular story that you're you're referring to is we got um, an offer to play. I think two nights at this in the smaller room at Seventh Avenue South, you know, Prince's Club in, mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. And most of the money already was going to Steve Coker, who was our sound man, who was great. And it was like, if we had big gigs, we knew we were going to sound great with him. Mm-hmm. So most of the money, if not all, went to him. And Steve was going to drive all the band's gear in his big white empty shell van. And then we were going to follow in like two cars. Well, the weather took a turn for the worse, like the, the night before we were due to leave. And we all looked at each other and said, well, we're not, we're not going to drive or let's get plane tickets right now <laughs> so we all got plane tickets where did we stay like the downtown sheraton city center you know um and i think the gigs paid like 200 dollars a night <laughs> you know so already so the plane tickets already sent oh you. yeah and they were staying at a sheraton and i remember that we're you know we're having you know sort of like you know lobster ravioli and and shrimp scampi and we you know we're you know eating well and not, not and, kfc no <laughs> and scott bennett famously said hey if no one's going to treat us like rock stars we will <laughs> it's, it's a self-actualizing thing right yes but you know really as a business model to you know to spend eighteen hundred dollars to make you know four hundred dollars is, is not a model that's going to last for very long and unless you had unlimited resources of course and i suppose some people have that but um, yeah, in our in our case, it was it was just one of the cracks in the armor that was to ultimately be our, our undoing. So, all right, I'm going to drive you back. So you have a gig tonight as we're recording this. Uh, before I, I drive you back, looking back on 20 incredible years with Sticks, what stands out the most for you? I mean, you, wow, you play like you play like 100 gigs a year. I mean, it was probably hard to identify one thing but maybe it's an emotion a vibe uh... um you know it, it's it's such a wonderful shared collective experience to be able to play music that that means something to people and and even though you know I'm certainly aware that I was not the guy in the original records that everyone fell in love with you know those guys sold 30 plus million records before I came along but still, like you know, I'm I'm part of the machine. Even if I, you know, w- was only here one year, like you know, you, you look out and you see what this music means to to people. Um, means to people, and means to people across different generations too. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll there'll, there'll be sixteen year olds in, in the front singing uh, every word, or there'll be you know a couple of gray gray haired people. You know, it, it's it's so far reaching that. You know, like I said, no matter how I might be feeling, 
when I get on stage, like, it, it, and this isn't like trite, like you know, bullshit here. Like the songs become reborn, and they're a live, living organism right in front of their very eyes. Now that that's that's a particular philosophy to which I've always subscribed to. Like really quick, going back to Brian Wilson. Like I know that. Well, I did his first ever solo tour in 99. And I know that songs like Fun, Fun, Fun and um, Surfing USA have been done gazillions of times by wedding bands, bar bands, like throughout the decades, right? But what makes this different? Well, here I'm performing this music with the guy who wrote it and in some cases sang them. So when I play, you know, that's got to feel fun, man. That's got to feel like, hey, we're in a car and we're in Malibu and we're going to the beach. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, this is happening now. You know, it can't sound like, you know, I'm looking at my watch and I'm just playing this dumb 60s beat and I'm yeah. just making a paycheck and, and, and just being like the tasteless bread that holds the meat on a sandwich. Like it has to come alive you know, in, in full technicolor for everyone to feel that palpable energy and that, that, that life force and that vibrancy. Like, oh my God, I'm this is Brian Wilson. He's singing, you know, good vibrations right now. It has to feel that way. So I, I, I take that same feeling in with the band to play like, oh my God, they're playing Blue Collar Man. Like, I love this song. Or like, I, you know, this is my favorite song in high school, whatever. It has to come alive and has to be real every night. Let's see, it's those opening drums for Grand Illusion that I like. The, Grand Illusion storms in in such a triumphant way. I love seeing you do that one. Well, it's it's Grand is the first. Uh, Indeed. Uh, is there a favorite <laughs> song? The, the, a song you really just cannot wait to play every night? Um, yeah, there's 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 a couple. Like um, Fooling Yourself has always been a favorite of mine. Um, we've been doing Man in Wilderness for a couple years now, and I think that's one of the best songs in the entire Sticks canon. Uh, and we've been doing lights um, sort of for the first time in, in in full form this year. So that's that's a lot of fun for me. But there, there's something special about anything from the Grand Illusion record because that was the first record that I got from the band. Like I was aware of the band. I knew Lady, you know, because that became a hit mm -hmm. in 74, two years after it was already released. Um, but Grand Illusion, was the, that was the first record that I, I went and bought from them and, and then, you know, bought all the, the ones that, that came after it. All right, uh, Todd, <laughs> I, I'm so glad we got to reconnect over Sausage. We're done? That's it? I'm ready to go for like another four or five hours. Well, you got a sound check, right? Well, Hubs is right down the road. We, we can go... We can some go ribs and some euros? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's, it's dessert, right? It's the all Atkins Saturday. <laughs> All right, Todd, thank you. You're amazing. Oh, uh, James, what, what, what a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I was looking forward to this, and you did not disappoint, and nor, nor did Poochie's. No, it really didn't. <laughs>